Good to be with Heart of the Bay Christian Center. Glad to get to get with you to get into end time events. It's so cool that we're living at the very end of the church age. How amazing to be the last runners of a race. And uh, you know, the book of Acts, they were the first runners and we're the last runners. So, man, we have so much to do in a short period of time. The exciting thing is, is that we can look to the scriptures and we look to what's happening right now and we can see verse after verse after verse coming to pass right in front of our eyes. So what we'll get into today is how we can tell how close we are. We'll look at signs, we'll look at signals, and we'll see how close we are. And the whole thing about the entire time about the coming of the Lord is it's actually great news. There is no bad news for the church. I hear so many people preaching on end times with a real fear mentality. Now, for the world, it's a very scary time coming called the tribulation. But for the church, nothing but great things. I mean, there is where people uh, seem like have a little bit of lack of hunger. Uh, but you've pushed through that, and you're in church tonight. So I'm sure glad you came. Let's pray, and we'll get right into the Word. The Lord will reveal great things to us tonight. We'll, we'll see Him high and lifted up with His train filling the temple. Father, we are so grateful that you sent Jesus. We're amazed that, that Jesus, you let yourself be beaten for us. Help us walk in the full measure of what you left us 2,000 years ago. I thank you for every single person uh, that hears the Word tonight. They'll, they'll be strengthened. They'll be encouraged with the incorruptible seed. When it's sown, it grows up and it becomes. So I thank you that we are redeemed from the curse of the law. Greater is he that's in us than he's in this world. Father, we thank you for supernatural insight into your Word concerning the coming of the Lord. We thank you for the verses that will stand out to us to show us how close we are to the King coming back to the planet. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said amen. That's the main point we get into when we get into all the signs and all the signals is uh, there is no bad news for the church. It's so sad that Jesus got kind of a bad rap that when people talked about his coming, it freaked people out. This is the amazing thing. Probably the last 15 or 20 years, invitation after invitation, would you come preach on end time? Sure. I have pastors that said they dreaded me coming, but they knew they were supposed to have me because they were afraid it was going to be bad news. And, and they were shocked. They were like, wow, this is really happy, really exciting. Because Paul wrote about the rapture of the church. He said, I'm, I'm giving you this so you'll be happy and hopeful. And, uh, and you know, your joy produces strength. And if you don't have any hope, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So he wants your heart strong and he wants you hopeful. He wants you accelerating. So all these verses we'll get into this session is about looking at the finish line and accelerating. Not an escape theology. It's when you can see the end, you make changes. Just like in a football game with the two-minute warning. I've never seen people go, hey, let's just chill out now. No, when the two-minute warning sounds, other plays are more crucial. You can make mistakes at the beginning of the game, but at the end of the game, you, you can't make mistakes. The, the time is winding down. Especially, I'm a college football guy. I love watching the play clock. That kind of freaks me out if I think the quarterback's not watching the play clock. I'm like, oh my God, you're, you know, pay attention. Why? Because things are urgent. So there has to be that urgency in the church. And really, what we've seen the last uh, couple of years with COVID, Jesus said in Matthew 24, that there would be things on the earth. And he talks about just before the tribulation. If you look in Matthew 24 at verse 9 is where the trib starts. But before that, Jesus talks about some uh, symptoms that would be on the earth. And he even went into detail so there'd be earthquakes in diverse places and there would be pestilence. And that's what we've seen with COVID. And then he finishes up. We said all these are the beginning of sorrows. We don't really talk like that now, but the word sorrows is the word birth pains. We don't even say birth pains. We say contractions. Uh, in other words, there'll be some things happening on the earth that are so severe that you can't ignore them. Just like a woman going into labor. How many of you ladies, when you start having contractions, did you just completely ignore it and say, ah, we'll, we'll blow this off for later? No. The contractions started preaching to you that you need to get to the hospital. So these are contractions, these are birth pains that are happening right now leading up to uh, the tribulation. What's amazing is 
right now we can visually get into things that are going to be happening after we leave, after the rapture of the church. So it is so exciting, though, to see the things that are a setup for the coming of the Lord. So we know the rapture of the church is signless, but the second coming has tons of signs. But if we can see what's going to happen just after the rapture, it helps us uh, with timing because we know the rapture is about seven or eight years before the second coming. Now, there's about 60-some-odd signs of the second coming. In a little bit, we'll get into about 10 or 15 of them, and they're so blatant, they're so clear, they're so exact, it's easy to get this. So I can't comprehend people going, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. Yet there's verse after verse after verse after verse to show us what the earth would look like just before he comes. I like it that Daniel's already prophesied about you. He saw the last day church. He said, we'd know our God, we'd be strong. And we would do exploits. So why do we get into this? Because Paul talked about the baptism 12 times, coming over the Lord 52 times. For every one verse there is about the first coming of the Lord, there's eight times more about the second coming. So he wanted us to be aware. In fact, he said, when you see these things coming to pass, lift up your heads, your redemption is drawing nigh. Indicating you could be downtrodden when all the signs are happening, when he wants you excited. So the whole purpose is for you to lift up your head. Don't be downtrodden. No, he wants you excited. You're about to see the king. There's not much anything cooler ever than knowing you're just about to see him. Eyes as a flame of fire, feet like unto fine brass, voice of many waters. He's the brightness of the glory of God. He's the shepherd and the bishop of our souls. So all of a sudden, we, we have worship now that we love and, and, and honor him. We're going to be there, right there at the throne of God. The Bible says we'll be at the throne. There'll be a, a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Crystal is the only element that you can't hide a flaw. We'll be flawless before the throne of God. It is excited that we're going to be raptured. I can't wait to get a new body. I, I'm, my weight is perfect. I'm just not the right height. So I'm looking forward to getting a brand new body, never gain weight again, never get tired again, be able to walk right into the throne of God and handle the glory and the majesty and the power of our Father. So exciting. So uh, let's look at this first. Uh, there's so much to get into because we'll get into all the signs. But go to Isaiah chapter 46. Take a look at that for a minute. I'll give you a minute to turn there. Isaiah chapter 46 tells us why we get into this before we get to the signs. So Isaiah chapter 46, if you've got a Bible like mine, it's page 819. At verse 9, he says, remember, this is pretty cool how God's so specific here. He said, remember the former things of old. I'm God. There's none else. I'm God. There's none like me. I like this part in verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. I'll give you my, my version of that. He basically saying this is how you can tell I'm God. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it happens. Now, how amazing, because this book is the only book that gives you future. You can talk to a Muslim, you can talk to a Buddhist, their book doesn't give you future. This is the only one that gives you future. Ezekiel prophesied the year Israel will be regathered. Gabriel told Daniel the year Jesus came <laughs> would come. Uh, so this is how it brings authenticity to the Bible. So that's how flawless it is. So the devil hates that, but that's all right. That's why he hates prophecy. It shows the authenticity of the Bible. Now listen to this. This is a lot of info before we get into the signs, but this is so cool. Listen to the first ten names of the Bible and look at the, the perfection of the Word of God. Listen to this. Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enos means mortal. Canaan means sorrow. Mahiliel means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah means his death brings. Lamech means despairing. And Noah means rest. Now put them all together and, and watch this. As man is appointed mortal with sorrow, the blessed God shall come down teaching that his death brings the despairing rest. Gives you the entire 
plan of redemption with the first ten names of guys in the Bible. Amazing. There's even a video out now about the first verse in the Bible called the beginning. Uh, it's called the Bereshit prophecy. It's a Hebrew word. It gives you the entire plan of redemption in, in the first verse of the Bible, in the beginning. Uh, it's so wonderful that our dad's been there, done that, and made the T-shirt. So with that, we can relax. He's watching over his word to perform it. And once we see, he said this, it came to pass. He said this, it came to pass. He said this, it came to pass. Uh, it builds up your faith because you see how God honors his word. And he's watching over his word in your life right now. Uh, so speak the word and declare the word over your life and over your body. And that's exactly what you'll have. Uh, I hear people nowadays almost touting a victim mentality. No, you're not a victim. You're a victor. You're more than a conqueror through Christ. Amen. So let's go to Luke, though. And we'll start in with the signs because uh, it, it's pretty cool. If you look at what happened in the Old Covenant, the prophecies about the first coming of the Lord. So go to Luke chapter 21. And let's just think about this for a minute. The, the, the amazing stuff about the first coming of Jesus, it was prophesied he'd be born in Bethlehem of the tribe of Judah. He'd be preceded by a messenger. He would enter into Jerusalem on a colt. They would gamble over his robes. He'd be given away for 35 pieces of silver. Uh, be given for potter's field. Pretty amazing. Uh, he would be quiet before his accusers. They would pierce him in the side. He'd wear a crown of thorns. He'd be crucified. This one's amazing. It would get dark in the middle of the day while he's on the cross. So we know what the odds are of all those prophecies coming to pass in, the, in one generation. It's like 480 trillion times a billion times another trillion. It's 480 with 33 zeros afterwards. In science, it becomes absurd to think that it happened by chance because it didn't happen by chance. Uh, God said it and it came to pass. Flawless. So that's amazing. But for every verse you have about the first coming, you've got eight times more about the second coming. So let's go look at the signs now so that we can tell where we are. Why would we want to get into signs? Well, if you're on the freeway, if you're driving from Oakland down to maybe Los Angeles, or maybe you're on the 5 or the 405, I can't remember which one it might be, maybe it's uh, 300 miles. Next sign says 280. Next sign says 240. Next sign says 160. Then 100. The signs tell you you're headed toward Los Angeles. Uh, the signs aren't meant to freak you out. There, there are no fear involved. It's just to give you information you're headed in the right direction. We'll look at signs right now that show us right where we are, how Jesus shows us you can tell how close you are to the coming of the Lord. It makes me laugh when people say, oh, that hour, no, no man knows the day or the hour. Jesus was telling them exactly the feast he was coming on, feast of trumpets. We'll get into that later. And really, the Jews at the second coming, they'll know the exact date of his coming because midway through the tribulation, the Antichrist will go into the temple and say, I'm God. And they'll know that they have exactly 42 months until Jesus comes. So uh, there's so many things about that that we've gotten wrong and we're taught incorrectly. And this is something we'll get into as we get into the book of Luke. To understand end time preaching, you can't get your rapture doctrine from the Gospels. Your rapture doctrine all comes from the epistles. Now, I want to say a couple of things that kind of freaks people out. In the, in the Gospels, Jesus was flawlessly fulfilling the law. So if you try to put a rapture verse on the Gospels, you'll feel like you don't qualify because you don't. Jesus had been raised from the dead. He's talking to Jewish boys there that are not saved. For instance, in Luke 21 here, we're going to get to it. He said, pray that you might be accounted worthy to escape all these things and stand before the Son of Man. I don't have to pray to be accounted worthy. I am worthy because Jesus made me worthy. He's talking to Jewish boys there that aren't worthy yet because he hasn't been raised from the dead. And this is a big one in our circles, the ten virgins. If you don't have oil in your lamp, you're not going up. That freaks people out. I don't need oil in my lamp. I'm him. He's talking to Jewish boys there that are not saved. They need oil in their lamp. Now that blows everybody's mind. 
But he's talking to <coughs> he's talking to different groups there. And in Matthew 24, we read that and says one's taken, one's left. People think that's the rapture. No, that's at the second coming. The wicked are taken off the earth so that the natural righteous people can go into the millennial reign of Christ, and that's who you'll be overseeing during that thousand years. So. Man, once taken and one's left, you had 50% saved during the tribulation. Just like when Jesus was on the cross, one thief got saved, the other thief did not. So you have to be careful because I hear guys on TV talking about all these verses and it produces fear in people. And we have nothing to fear. You're him right now as he is. So are we in this world. So let's look at Luke. And man, let's open these up because there's so many signs. It's so cool. So go with me there to Luke 21. <coughs> Excuse me. As you're turning to Luke 21, look at verse 24. Excuse me, as you go to verse 24, Jesus is going to make this so easy to get and to understand. So look at verse 24. Jesus says, And they'll fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down or overthrown of the Gentiles or nations, until the times of the nations of the Gentiles are fulfilled. I mean, that's pretty bold that Jesus said, Hey, when you see Jerusalem one back, you can tell that time's up. So that, that's pretty amazing. I mean, just that one event can show you uh, that time is done. Now, what happened in the Six-Day War? Israel was attacked by all of its neighbors around it, and, and Israel won that war. Absolutely remarkable. They were outnumbered by so much. See, you're at the end of six days of human history. The earth's about to go into the seventh day, the millennial reign of Christ, and Jerusalem is won back, and Jesus has calls timing to that. So in 1967, that happened. I mean, to the different miracles that happen, you can't, we can't get into all of them because it's so amazing. But one of the ones that really blesses me is there were 88 Egyptian tanks barreling down on Jerusalem. And one Israeli cook, he said, hey, if I'm going to die, I'm going to go out with a blaze of glory. He climbs into an Israeli tank, figures out how to load the shells into the turret, and starts firing shells at 88 Egyptian tanks. So you've got 88 Egyptian tanks against one Israeli tank. Next thing you know, in the morning, this Egyptian commander comes out with a white flag. He said, I'm here to surrender to the highest-ranking officer. And the Israeli goes, highest-ranking officer is just me. And the Egyptian commander said, oh, no, it's not just you. The whole night, the countryside was filled with tanks, with men dressed in white on the front. You've been shelling us all night. We can't take it anymore. See, it was a miraculous. The Six-Day War had all these things of divine intervention that got Jerusalem won back. It's amazing that everything revolves around Jerusalem. If you live west of Jerusalem, you read left to right. If you live east of Jerusalem, you read right to left. The Bible said, <coughs> excuse me, the Bible said Jerusalem would be a cup of trembling for all nations. So the point about Jerusalem is this is where the capital of the universe is going to be. This is where Jesus' address is going to be forever. So Lucifer wants that spot. It is interesting that Turkey's president said this this last year. He said, I'll call on all of Islam and we'll ascend unto Jerusalem, the Temple Mount. We'll take the Temple Mount from the Jews. What did that sound like? It sounded just like Lucifer when he said, I'll ascend to the, to the sides of the north and be like the Most High. So that same spirit's working in all those nations that are getting ready to attack Israel in the Ezekiel 38 war. They're completely set up right now to do that. But let's go back to Jerusalem for a minute. It's pretty interesting that Jesus ties all this timing to that. He's going to get even clearer in a second. But I, I was there a few years ago, and it is remarkable that everywhere Jesus did something cool, 
the devil put an Islamic mosque over it. There's a mosque right there. What happened? That's where he was raised from the dead. There's a mosque right there. <clears throat> That's where he was beaten. There's a mosque right there. That's where the Mount of Ascension is. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. It's amazing the devil thinks he could cover up what Jesus did, and all he did was give you a tour guide. You don't even need to have anybody tell you. There's a mosque there. The Lord must have done something cool. There's a mosque there. The Lord must have done something cool. That's how stupid the devil is. The Saudi Arabian newspaper came out while I was there. They said, we still don't understand how Israel won the Six-Day War, and they attributed to those men dressed in white on the front of the tanks. It was called angels. So it was a shock that they won. So Jesus ties us to this. Now watch him get even clearer now. Skip down to verse 29. And Jesus is going to even get even clearer with the signs. Here we go, verse 29. He says, as he spake to them a parable. What's the parable for? To make what he had just said make more sense. So watch him clear this up. He says, okay, look at the fig tree. That's the nation of Israel. And all the trees, the prophetic nations around Israel, all changed and were altered in the last hundred years. Their names were. He says, when they now shoot forth their bud... You see and know of your own selves that summer our harvest is nigh at hand. Wow. He said, you can tell this on your own, just like in the spring. Like Tulsa in the wintertime turns completely brown. The grass is brown. The trees are brown. But man, come March or April, when the trees begin to bud, boy, you know there's a season change. And it would be kind of stupid to go, hey, there's no summer coming this year. No, the trees are preaching to you. The grass is preaching to you. There's a temperature change coming. And Jesus said, when you see this, you can tell something's up. There's a change coming. And then he tells you what that change is. Watch what he says in verse 31. Likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know. So he's saying these things so that we can know. He's going to give us two signs so that we can know something. Not wonder, not sense, not perceive. Because people say you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. Jesus is about to tell us how we can know when he's coming back. He said, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. He said, when you see these things, what things? Israel regathered as a nation. That's the fig tree budding. And Jerusalem won back. He said, when you see these two things, you can know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand, or, or right there. Now look at the next verse. This is the kicker. Look at verse 32. Verily I say unto you, this generation. What generation? The one that sees the fig tree bud and one that sees Jerusalem won back. This generation will not pass away till all is fulfilled. That's a bold, radical statement. Now, I hear people say, I don't believe that. It don't matter. <laughs> I hear people say, I'm not comfortable with that. It doesn't matter. Tag, you're it. You're the generation that's seen these come to pass. Now, that's two signs. Number one, Israel made a nation. Number two, Jerusalem won back. He said, Jesus said, the generation that sees those two will not pass away to all fulfilled. So we're blessed. Now, i got about 60 I can give you. So I hear people, after you finish, they say, are you sure the Lord's coming soon? How many signs do you need? <laughs> the Lord said, here, when you see these two, you're the generation. So there's so much going on here. It's pretty cool. I like that he said you could see and know of your own selves. Remember Kenneth Hagin prophesying years ago there'd be a spirit or an attitude of seeing and knowing on the church. How cool is that? That the Holy Ghost has already given us a heads up that we'll have a mentality of seeing and knowing right before he comes. What's so cool about that is uh, we can get into some history here. And let's look at uh, 1917. I mean, last year you had a movie about it. A couple years ago you had a movie about 1917. Some remarkable things happened in 1917. You had Allenby, an Australian general, come into the land of Israel uh, to deliver their land. And he didn't even know this, but they passed out leaflets everywhere. Allenby's coming. Allenby's coming. Well, they didn't know. <laughs> Uh, that in Arabic, his name meant a prophet sent from God to deliver you your land. 
That's pretty radical. So they dropped their weapons and turned the land over to Israel right there without a shot fired. So the land was turned over to Israel in 1917. It's called uh, the Balfour Declaration from England, saying that is your land. Pretty amazing. What else happened in the church in 1917? Kenneth Hagin was born. Well, the Lord appeared to his mother before he was born and told him to name him John, uh, that he would have a part in ushering in the second coming of the Lord. Not everything, but a part. And it's pretty amazing that she said, I don't like the name John, I'm going to name him Kenneth. So she named him Kenneth. And uh, uh, Brother Hagin basically, quietly, without any fanfare whatsoever, sowing the word, sowing the word, has gotten the earth ready for the second coming of the Lord. I've preached all over Norway, all over Italy, all over Germany, Switzerland. I preached in Lausanne. I preached in Kerr. I preached in Longenthal. preached in uh, Zurich. Uh, all because of Kenneth Hagin's ministry, sowing the word, getting the earth ready. The amazing thing is, you know what Hagin means in the Hebrew? One, to go before to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. The, the exact definition of John the Baptist. So how blessed are we to watch this right in front of our eyes. Mark Brzee has a woman in his church in Tulsa that uh, she's an evangelist. I guess several years ago she died, and they got her back, defibrillated her, and got her back. And she was in heaven for a while, and she saw Kenneth Hagin. She, Jesus was talking to her, and she said, look, there's Kenneth Hagin. And jo Jesus said, you mean John? So if your name's supposed to be John, your name's supposed to be John. So how blessed are we all to be a part of uh, uh, someone's ministry that would be ushering in the second coming of the Lord. So let's run through the signs, though. These are pretty blatant right there. I mean, you, you can't get away from uh, Jesus saying this. And look at the next verse. Watch what he said even to make it ironclad. He said in the next verse, he said, look, you know, heaven and earth will be altered, but my words will not be altered. If you're the generation that sees those two, you're it. So you can't alter it. So we're blessed. But let's get into some of the others because they so preach to us how blatant it is that we're so close to his return. So the next sign that I like to get into is the Hebrew language restored. Uh, wow. Because the Bible said just before the coming of the Lord, he'd restore to them a pure language. 120 years ago, no one spoke Hebrew. Now the whole country speaks perfect Hebrew. Why? Because God said he would do this just before the coming of the Lord. So in our lifetime, it's happened. You can Google it. You can't find somebody speaking Hittite. You can't find them speaking Amorite. But you can find him speaking Hebrew. It's so cool. One of the times I was there, a buddy of mine got me to go in to meet with Ariel Sharon, the Prime Minister of Israel. And I'm thinking, man, what am I doing going to meet with Ariel Sharon? I'm a, I'm a hillbilly from a small town in Louisiana. And I was getting nervous because I was in those leather chairs, and there's the black and white pictures in his office. And I thought, well, I'll grab me a pencil that had some Hebrew writing on it. That'd be a cool souvenir. I grabbed the pencil, and it was made in Iowa. So oh, that's a bummer. That's not cool. So, but as I'm standing there, I could hear them walking down the hall. Halak Shemir Kasebek. They're speaking flawless Hebrew. 120 years ago, no one spoke Hebrew. Now they all do. Why? Because God said, "This is what you see." So you got them regathered to their land. You got Jerusalem won back. You got their language restored. See, it's amazing. God's done all this. You're watching our Father bring Israel back to their land so He can court her. And He's going. Jesus is going to do just like Joseph did. He's going to present Himself to His brethren at the very end. It's so amazing, the plan of God. So you got them brought back to their land. You got Jerusalem won back. You got the Hebrew language restored. What would be next? Well, next would be the Ethiopian Jews. Remember when the queen of Sheba, Sheba means seven, after the Lord, the house of the Lord in the Old Testament was complete, she met with Solomon. After, so the first numbers you get are seven, queen of Sheba, seven, seven years of tribulation. What did she bring to Solomon? 666 talents of gold. That's the number for the tribulation, 666. Well, 
they had a child and God said that what I'm going to do is before the coming of the Messiah I'm going to bring them out so 18,000 Ethiopian Jews were airlifted in one day Israel sent these C-130s right down into Ethiopia airlifted them all out pretty amazing uh, Chuck Roberts on CNN Headline News said an exodus that eclipses the book of Exodus. Wow. Listen, when CNN goes to preaching about what the Lord's doing, you better lift up your head. The Lord's about to come back. But it was so blatant uh, and such a, an amazing thing, you couldn't ignore it. Even CNN couldn't ignore it. You know, on the manifest on the airplane, it said, you know, we have 180 passengers. First time ever you land a plane as 187 passengers. You had babies born on those planes, just like in the book of Exodus. So cool. In the middle of the Exodus, you had all this happening. So God brought them back because uh, he said he would do that just before the coming of the Messiah. So after that, another sign would be the revival of the Roman Empire. 1957, they said, we felt like Romans on that day. What? You have a platform for the Antichrist. All these nations came together as the EU. I, f I flew from uh, Norway down to Nice, France. They don't even stamp your passport. Uh, you're in the United States of Europe, just like being in the United States of America. Same type deal. It is amazing, though. It's such a platform for the Antichrist. You can go to the Capitol building. You should Google this tonight. Go to the Capitol building in Strasbourg, France. Uh, the capital of the EU is identical to the Tower of Babel. Not similar, identical. And the statement they put with it is like, <coughs> we'll make ourselves gods. We don't need God. It's just amazing. Sorry about my voice. I mean, when you see that building and see how it's not just similar, it's identical. It's like, oh my gosh, wow, the Lord's coming back. I have people, when they Google it, they show it to me, and they go, ah, but Google it, it'll bless you. Now, this is something I don't normally get into, but I'll give you a little bonus for tonight. Uh, France's president, Emmanuel Macron, golly, my voice is healed in Jesus' name. France's president, Emmanuel Macron, Emmanuel means God with us. Macron means the mark. He's been doing things that are just like what the Antichrist would do. He's like been going into, went into Baghdad, Iraq a couple of weeks ago. He's been trying to help bring great aid to uh, Lebanon. I mean, he's doing some weird stuff right now. He even looks like the Antichrist in the Left Behind series. I'm not saying he's the Antichrist, but if, he, if, he, if he's not, he missed a wonderful opportunity. <laughs> and the, what's so wonderful is he can't be revealed until the church leaves because we have so much authority. So don't worry about that. But it is kind of bizarre to watch this guy doing things that are, are just similar to what the Antichrist will do. And his history on the earth is he's part of Syrian, part Jew. Because the Jews are going to think that the Antichrist is the Messiah. So what a bummer and an uh-oh moment uh, when they find out he's not. So that's a pretty big sign, revival of the Roman Empire. So you have many more. And the next one is so cool. It's the fertility of the land of Israel. I mean, 120 years ago, Mark Twain was there. He said the land is so desolate it won't support life. Yet right now, Israel produces 90% of the fruit for all of Europe. Wouldn't it be weird if every piece of fruit you bought came from New Jersey? I mean, Israel's the size of New Jersey. What if you're in California and uh, all your fruit says made in New Jersey? You go, what? How could that New Jersey be that blessed? Israel's land is so prosperous that it just produces all this food because God said, I'll make it overproduce. I'll said, I'll, I'll make it uh, flourish. And that's exactly what it's done. So you have uh, signs of that. This is another sign. I don't have a chance to get into it a lot, but we'll get into it. Uh, the Bible says midway through the tribulation that the Jews are going to go into Petra for safety. And I saw a video a while back where Petra has no water. It's very arid, very dry. And this water comes shooting out of the side of the rock, makes a river the size of your church building. 
So God's already provided water for them for where they're going to go midway through the trib. So it's amazing all these things that are happening. So let's run through some more signs that have been of late. You know, a lot of these signs are from 1962 or 1957 or, or 1992. Let's get into some things that happened this last year. This is really crazy. This last year, you had fish show up in the Dead Sea. Ezekiel prophesied that 2,700 years ago. So you got fish showing up. You have uh, on the Temple Mount, you had foxes show up this last year. Freak the rabbis out. Because in Malachi, uh, it, it, uh, no, I'm sorry, it, it says in Deuteronomy, Lamentations, that 518, that the, the Temple Mount would have foxes on it. So it freaked them out to have them show up. Shows you that the Temple Mount would be so desolate. The presence of God would not be there, the, the point that foxes could show up. But then this last year, you had the ritual baths around the Temple Mount fill up with water. Sea of Galilee overflow. All these things are what the, the Bible said you'd see just before the coming of the Lord. There's several more that are so cool, though, we'll get into. You had Russia six weeks ago rebuild the arch for Baal worship in Palmyra. Why is that a big deal? Uh, <laughs> well, that's where the Tower of Babel was. And in the Talmud, that's what the Talmud says, the last sign you'd see before the Messiah comes. So you got all these signs of the coming of the Lord. One of them, Another sign would be men will be lovers themselves. We have selfie sticks. You got guys taking pictures. I was in Los Angeles. I saw a guy with two selfie sticks take photos of himself, almost got hit by a car. When would you ever think you'd be alive when we got to take a few more pictures of ourselves? How crazy is that? So you have men will be lovers themselves. I really like getting into some of the, the nature things that are happening along with the fish and the, the foxes. You had an Israeli ornithologist several years ago. I'm watching her on the Animal Planet channel. And she said, you know, we have a bizarre event happening. We have 172 different species of predatory birds start showing up in the land of Israel. And she goes, I, I don't understand that. Well, man, I freaked out. Because right after the Ezekiel 38 war, you have it, uh, God calls on the fowl of the air to clean the land up. Seven years later at the Battle of Armageddon, he calls on the fowl of the air to clean the land up. So you have the cleanup crew in Israel right now. So you got fish in position. you got bird in positions. you got foxes in position. You have Russia in position. They went into Crimea. Russia has nine bases in Syria right now. Uh, two days ago, Israel had to uh, take jets into Syria and fire on Iranian missiles because Iran, every single week, keeps hauling missiles down from Iran, down into Syria, trying to get on the border of Israel because they want to annihilate Israel. It's remarkable that Russia, three weeks ago, told Israel, we're not going to let you have any airspace in Syria. You can't go in there to take out those missile caches. And Israel said, watch this. They went in there three more times and blew up missiles that Iran had intended to be fired on Israel at some, at some point. And we know that point's coming real close because that's what they want to do. I believe it triggers the Ezekiel 38 war, but we're not here for that. So when you see all the setup for that, we're already gone. So that's remarkable that you can tangibly and physically watch Turkey get in position all the way around Israel. Turkey is training soldiers in uh, Libya. Turkey's on the edge of Greece. Turkey's in the northern part of Syria. Turkey's in Iraq. Uh, Turkey said that they wanted to run the airport there in Afghanistan. Turkey's got this mentality because they want to annihilate Israel along with Russia. And they're going to be the one that pulls Russia down to attack Israel just after we leave. And you say, well, how do, why do you think we won't be here during the Ezekiel 38 war? Because God physically intervenes for Israel. In the church age, he doesn't intervene. Germany killed six million Jews and prospered because God's not mad at anybody. This is a dispensation of grace. 
the rapture happens, we go back to seven years of Old Covenant time, and the rules are changed. So God physically intervenes for Israel and wipes out 82% of Russia. Five-sixths of Russia will be wiped out. Why? God says so that the heathen may know that he is God. So you got a seven-year period called the tribulation coming where God's going to do fireworks. Really, it's just because some people are so hard-headed, they won't make a decision. So God's got to have water turning to blood. You've got to have asteroids hitting. And you've got an asteroid that's going to hit during the tribulation called Wormwood. It's going to make a third of the water. It's radioactive. I preached that in the Ukraine years ago, gosh, 25 years ago. And I said the word Wormwood, and everyone gasped. And I said, well, what's the deal? I asked my interpreter. She said, well, the name Wormwood is the word Chernobyl. NASA, a few months ago, listen to this, a few months ago, they spotted an asteroid that's going to come by the Earth in 2029. They named it Wormwood. And they said people on the Earth will be able to see this for two years doing flybys before it even comes. So it's bizarre. If you looked at how many asteroids have been coming by in the last year and a half, it would freak you out. You can go to the website. It'll show you exactly how far they are, how big they are. Uh, one uh, a few weeks ago was 180,000 miles from Earth. The next one was 18,000 miles from Earth. And the next one was 1,800 miles from Earth. Interesting. What's the, com the correlation between those three different uh, asteroids? 666. We'll get into some signals here in just a little bit, but we're still on the signs of the coming of the Lord. So I know we're going fast, but we have all these signs to look at. And there's a few more we'll get into. So you got the predatory birds showing up. I mean, you got uh, nature in position. I like one of the ones from the History Channel that was so cool that you don't hear much uh, teaching about it. I was watching the History Channel a few years ago, and they talked about a bishop from the year 1129 A.D. named Bishop Malachi. We'd say Malachi. <clears throat> He had a vision of all the coat of arms of all the popes that would be on the earth, all the way up to the coming of the Lord. Now, the coat of arms for every pope was super detailed. Like when you see a crest from England or a crest from Scotland, a family crest, very detailed. Each pope would have a coat of arms on the front of his dressing, whether he was a worshiping pope, military pope, praying pope. This bishop had a vision, saw every pope and their coat of arms, named the pope and the coat of arms for every pope up until the second coming of the Lord. Now, that's pretty remarkable. He batted a thousand. Think about it. In baseball, if you if you hit three out of ten, you make a pretty good living. And listen to what the History Channel said. He said they said this is statistically impossible. Only a god can do this. Well, guess what pope we have right now? The hundred and fourteenth. So uh, that's kind of bizarre. Another one I like to talk about, which is sometimes you don't have time to in a service, but. Uh, I like this is Rabbi Yitzhak Kaduri. I don't talk about a lot of rabbis because I, I, I don't really can quote after rabbi because I can only quote after the Bible. But this particular rabbi was such a head rabbi, and he got saved. Jesus appears to him. He gives his life to the Lord, and he prophesied that just before the coming of the Lord, Israel would be ruled by two Benjamins. So this last year, you had Benjamin Netanyahu, Benjamin Gantz, jointly rule Israel together. And here, this guy prophesied this in 2005. So it is remarkable uh, that what, what God said you'd see, you're seeing over and over and over and over and over. So it sounds like it's redundant. It is redundant because the Lord loves you so much. He wants you to get it. Isn't, isn't it something, we're okay, babe. Isn't it something that he's gone out of his way to make this blatant? I mean, I, I'll finish the signs in a service and a guy walk up to me and goes, now, are you really sure the Lord's coming back? I'm like, so you need more than 60-some-odd signs? I mean, Jesus said if you see two of them. So we're so blessed. But let's go through some signals. These will freak us out because these are, these are cool. So we got signs of his re return, many, many more. 
Okay, if you're driving from San Francisco to Los Angeles, once you get into Los Angeles, you don't need signs telling you there. You've got traffic signals. So let's talk about the signals for a minute. The Bible says in Genesis that the planets would be for signals. And really, it's the word signs, but it's in Hebrew, it's the word signals. So isn't that cool that God would set the planets up to be signals for us? I like that. So, <laughs> you, know, you get into it, and it's so blatant. Psalm says that the glory of God is revealed in the heavens. So what did we have a few years ago? You had blood red moons, what? On Passover and tabernacles. Okay, that's a pretty big deal, because Passover is when he went to the cross, he died for us. Tabernacles is when he's going to come back at the second coming. He's going to come back and tabernacle with man. So it's pretty amazing. The heavens are declaring, I died for you, I'm coming back. I died for you, coming back. I mean, that's kind of in your face. Uh, blood red moons on Passover and tabernacles. When's the last time you had four in a row like that? NASA called it a tetrad. The last time you had four in a row like that was 1967 when Jerusalem was won back. 1948 when Israel's made a nation. In 1492, at the Edict of Expulsion, when the Jews were kicked out of Spain. So, I mean, that's remarkable. You had Columbus raised up in 1492 to sail the ocean blue. To what he find? America, safe harbor for the Jews. So you got the heavens signaling when Jerusalem's won back, Israel's made a nation, and the year America's uh, found out. So pretty, pretty radical. I mean, that's cool, and you could get into more, but there's so much more. This one I really like is the Bethlehem Star. Uh, you don't really hear much preaching about that, but the Magi could look at the heavens and see that a king was going to be born. How could they tell? Well, Jupiter, Venus, and Regulus were coming together. Jupiter, king planet. Regulus, regal, king planet. Venus, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Venus is a mother planet. All three of them coming together at the birth of Jesus. Amazing. They, they rode by camel for five to seven hundred miles to see this event. Why? Jesus was being born. What was the constellation? Virgo. He was born of a virgin. This last year, NBC Nightly News, Lester Holt, said, We have a celestial event. We have Jupiter, Regulus, and Venus coming together. I'm like, Oh my God, Bethlehem star. First time, 2,000 years. What was the constellation? Leo. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. I mean, that's radical. When you got the heavens signaling this, you have you have many more that you know. I don't even have time to get into them. But one of the ones was the Revelation 13 sign. The woman clothed with the sun, with the moon at her feet, cluster of stars for a crown. Jupiter was in her belly uh, for nine months, just like a woman holds a baby. The baby was being born. Uh, it was the birth of the king, and then it talks about the rapture. That happened on September 23rd, the day Jerusalem was told they can't police Jerusalem anymore legally told they can't police it. So there's other things that have happened on certain days uh, about Israel being told they can't police Jerusalem. It's kind of crazy, but you can point things back to things happening in the heavens, coinciding with things happening in the earth. So the Lord would say, how did you miss this? I made it as blatant as I could. I'm going to give you this last signal, and it's going to freak some people out. So don't shoot the messenger, and these are just facts, okay? All right, when President Trump was president, midway through his presidency, I believe it was January 21st, I was preaching in Alabama and Birmingham on the day that happened. There was a wolf moon, super moon, blood moon. And that was midway through Trump's presidency. Now hang with me. Go back seven, after Trump was born, 700 days later, Israel has made a nation. When Trump was born, there was a blood moon. 700 days later, Israel's made a nation. When Trump was elected, Benjamin Netanyahu had been in office seven years, seven months, seven days. When Trump was inaugurated, he was 70 years old, seven months, seven days. Moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem after how many years? 70 years. Now, we know that the, the rapture is going to be on one of the feasts. 
because Jesus went to the cross on Passover, buried on unleavened bread, raised on first fruits. The Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost. The next feast to be fulfilled is Feast of Trumpets. Listen to this. Uh, our president's name was Trump. Our vice president's name was Pence. When you say Trumpets, Trumpets, when you said their names, you were saying the coming of the Lord. That's a pretty big signal. <laughs> I know that freaks people out, and they go, well, how come he's not president of this? Everybody wanted a political messiah. Uh, we don't have a political messiah. Jesus is coming back. But there are people in position that their names mean some things that are flawless because the Lord's about to come back. That's a pretty big signal. Why would we get into all this? You're watching the setup for what's going to happen after the rapture of the church. And be careful. There's a lot of weird preaching that there's not going to be a rapture, but there is going to be a rapture, just like Enoch was caught up, just like Elijah was caught up, just like Jesus was caught up, the church will be caught up. Enoch handed off to Noah. Elijah handed off to Elisha. Jesus handed off to the church. The church will hand off to the Jews. And the Bible said the Jews have a harvest that's innumerable uh, during the tribulation. In fact, you see what it is. It's 50% of the population. So the church has to do what we have to do, and then we're caught up because God owes them seven years of old covenant time. Because when Daniel told Gabriel, Gabriel told Daniel when Jesus was going to come, he said, he's going to come. He said, you got, you got 490 years, but Jesus is going to come after 483. So there's seven years of old covenant time. And that's what Jesus did. He came exactly after 483 years from when that commandment came forth. So God owes Israel seven years of old covenant time. He takes the church off the earth, and then that tribulation period is pressure on the earth to get people to accept Jesus as the Messiah. So how blessed are we all to look at all of these signs that point to his return what do we do uh, we you know i get into this every week we help our local church uh, when you're about to get married when you're engaged you talk more not less it's like this could you imagine colleen and i are getting married i, I love it when i'm standing there she's walking down the aisle could you imagine while i'm standing there colleen's walking down the aisle and she goes oh my god another one bites the dust i'm about to marry that guy that would be a bummer so that you're, how sad would that be you're about to get married and your your bride-to-be is bummed out that, that she's getting ready to get married to you know i hear people go well, i don't want the lord to come back because i got so much in my heart well you're gonna live forever of course of course you got so much in your heart the rapture is not an ending it's a beginning you're tasting of the powers of the world to come during the millennium you're gonna have gifts of the spirit in operation some guy falls off a ladder a righteous natural bodied saint he falls off a ladder you you're translated you walk right through the wall you've already seen it in a video called a word of wisdom you go over to him and say rise take up your bed and walk it's a good thing you live during the millennium so we're going to be completely fulfilled and we have a thousand years of reigning over an area and basically you're getting ready to be an overseer you're writing your resume right now for what you'll be doing during the millennial reign of christ so how blessed are we that so soon we're about to see jesus Pastor Mark, Pastor Brenda, thanks for having me come. I, I'm just blessed to get to be with you. I want everyone in the congregation, I want this dropped in your heart so strongly as we close. He loves you. The whole purpose of all of these signs is His extreme mercy, extreme kindness, and His extreme love. He wants you to have a heads up. He wants you to be excited. He wants you so happy. People should be telling you, break that pill in half, whatever your own, and knock your doses down just a little bit. We should be so excited. Man, think of it. All of a sudden, our bodies are going to be altered. We're going to be catapulted up into heaven. Great reunion with our loved ones. And all of a sudden, we go to the reward seat of Christ marriage supper of the lamb and then we come back with jesus at the second coming on white horses wow uh maybe we go to horse flying school i don't know but uh we're soon to see our king face to face 
Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for Heart of the Bay Christian Center. Thank you for what you've given uh, them to do, the destiny for every person in this room to be fulfilled. I ask you for a reassessing of, of assignments for every single person in this room, Lord. Let them all be, be uh, kindled to walk with God, to accelerate their pace, to speak for you, to minister for you. Let Jesus be glorified in everything they do so that, Father, every part of their lives, Jesus is the center point and the focal point. Jesus thank you thank you thank you for dying for us we thank you for your presence we thank you for so many souls being swept in the kingdom right here before we leave the planet and we thank you for great blessings upon the church in jesus wonderful name amen sure great being with you look forward to being with you soon have a wonderful fall season we're about to see the king face to face